It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes up short again and again, but there's no effort without error and shortcoming. But who does actually strive to do the deeds? Who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions? Who spends himself in a worthy cause? Who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement? And who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. That speech is from Teddy Roosevelt. It's a small excerpt of a 35-page speech that he gave in 1910. Teddy Roosevelt's my favorite president. And he gave this, this speech, and this little excerpt is called The Man in the Arena. It's not the critic who counts. It's the person in the fight, the person in the battle, the person in the arena. Anybody can be a critic. Anybody can be an armchair quarterback. It takes guts to be in the fight, to risk loss, to risk shame, to have the chance to experience victory. You must be in the fight. The critic is safe, but the critic is dead. The critic experiences no loss, no shame, no pain. But worse than that, the critic experiences nothing. The critic knows neither victory nor defeat. Only critique of those who do. We've been talking now for three weeks about being a warrior, being in the fight with God and for God against evil. The first step to being a warrior for God is surrendering to Him, to His lordship, to His kingship, to His authority. The first step to victory with God is giving up. Last week we talked about being prayer warriors, surrendering our prayers to God, praying to God rightly for things that matter, for people, because people always matter to God. And the reason we pray ultimately, we pray to obey God's way. Our next step in being an effective warrior for God is to surrender our critical tongue. We pick up in James right after James has spelled out the importance to be humble, to be on the right side of the battle means to surrender to God. This is the crux of our entire series. And we pick up right after that in verse 11. He says, do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? Do not speak evil. Do not judge. Do not slander. The word used here in the Greek is katalaleo. Katalaleo. It really encompasses a lot of negative speech. To speak against, 
to slander, to harshly criticize, to challenge legitimate authority, to bring false accusations. It's linked to things like jealousy and selfishness and pride and quarrels. We have examples of this word other places in Scripture, like in Numbers 21.5. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? Or in Psalm 101.5, whoever slanders, there it is, his neighbor secretly I will destroy. Whoever has a haughty look and an arrogant heart I will not endure. Or in 1 Peter 2.12, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against, there it is, you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. And then again in 1 Peter 3.16, having a good conscience... So that when you are slandered, there it is, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. So what is James saying here to us? And who is he talking to? What is he saying and who is he talking to? Well, he's talking in his letter, he's talking to the church. He's talking about behavior that had been taking place from between Christian and Christian. He's referring to friendly fire, Christians firing upon Christians, the ultimate no-no in warfare. And he is referring to all these different kinds of speaking against, like Catalileo. James isn't only saying here, make sure you catch this, he's not only saying don't slander, like we think of slander in modern times. We hear slander, we think to spread lies, to say something that's not true, but that if it's true, then it's okay. He's not saying that. Only. He is saying that, don't do that, but it's not all that's being said. He's also saying don't harshly criticize. You see, it may be true what you are saying, but what, how, and when you are saying it makes it wrong. That's what James is trying to get across to fellow Christians and to us. James is saying not to do all of the following things when he says don't catalaleo each other or one another. Don't catalaleo one another. Don't gossip about. Don't lie about. Don't slander. Don't speak harshly and critical to each other. Don't publicly condemn. Don't speak judgment are all things James is saying here. For a Christian to speak ill of and ill to another Christian is a living contradiction of who we are called to be in Christ Jesus. A critical Christian should not exist. A critical Christian should not exist. And why? Well, James tells us why. He gives us two reasons in those two verses. Two reasons why we shouldn't do this. He says, when you do this, one, you speak against the law. And two, you become a judge of the law. One, you are breaking God's laws. You say, what law? Well, we can go old school. We can go old school to Leviticus chapter 19, verses 16 and 17. He says this, You shall not go around as a slanderer among your people, and you shall not stand up against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. You shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor, lest you incur sin because of him. And then it's summed up completely in verse 18, the next verse. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. 
I am the Lord. Well, does that still apply? Is that the question you're asking? Does that still apply? I mean, I thought Jesus fulfilled the Old Testament law. Okay, well, we can just stay in James then. In James verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 8, he says, If you really fulfill the royal law according to the Scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. So, um, yeah, it still applies. It still applies. So, one, you are breaking the law. When you do this, these negative forms of speech, this catalileo against each other, you're breaking the law. When you speak like this to each other, that's one reason why James gives for not doing it. But the second, you're being a judge of the law. You're putting yourself in God's place. Anytime we act as judge, we are pretending to be God. Why? Because he gave the law, and the one lawgiver is also the one and only judge of the law. Are you equal to God? Do you think you know better than God? Are you all-knowing, all-powerful, all-good, all-just, all-righteous, all-loving? No? Then leave the judging to God and leave this kind of speech in the dumpster where it belongs. We're called to be doers of the things of God, warriors for God, in the arena, fighting for the things of God. Not judges, not critics, but humble, rightly placed below God, in the battle, for Him, and with Him. And I love the way verse 12 ends. God is the one lawgiver and judge, able to save and destroy, because He is God. So, so, who are you to judge your neighbor, James says to us. Who are you to judge your neighbor? You're not the one lawgiver. You're not the judge. So who are you to judge your neighbor, to judge your fellow Christian? A critical tongue reveals a haughty heart, a life that lacks, and a sour spirit. A critical tongue reveals a haughty heart, a life that lacks, and a sour spirit. Three reasons why you are a critic, if you are a critic. A haughty heart. That's just pride. We don't use the word haughty anymore, hardly. It just means pride. You want to be equal to God. Superiority. You think you're better than someone else. Or you know you're not better than someone else, but you want to feel like you are better than someone else. Or a life that lacks. You're jealous. You constantly compare. You believe they got theirs somehow wrongly some wrong way of going about it, or a sour spirit. You've been wronged. You've experienced serious hurt or harm in your life that you've never dealt with properly. God wasn't there. Life's not fair. Why doesn't God care? Nobody likes me. A sour spirit. Why is that spirit there in you? Which one or which one's of these three reasons apply to your critical spirit and critical tongue? Deal with it. Pray to God about it. Talk with someone you trust. Forgive if need be. Apologize if need be. Handle it. Deal with it. Because it is killing you and it will harm your church. 
the assembled body of God's believers. That type of spirit, a haughty heart, a life that lacks, a sour spirit, it will kill you and it harms your church, God's people, His assembled group of people. So if it's something that you've just never dealt with, faced, talked to, asked God about, been honest with God about, been honest to other people about, shared it with someone, confessed it with someone, dealt with it, deal with it. If it's something you haven't done that with, if it's something that you were wrong and you need to forgive, if someone wronged you and you need to forgive, or if, or if you wronged someone else, you need to apologize. We have to deal with it because whatever that thing is, it bubbles out of us with a critical tongue. That's where it comes from. Now, I could literally hear some of you as we've been going through this. I can literally hear some of your voices as we've been going through this. You mean I can't question anything? You mean I can't question something? I'm just an analytical person by nature. You mean we can't analyze? How will we improve? Christians aren't supposed to ask questions. Christians aren't supposed to learn and get better. What if something wrong has actually been done? I'm not supposed to say something? Are you saying we just stick our head in the sand and pretend that everything is okay? No, I'm not. And neither is God's Word. And here's our rule. Never criticize, condemn, or complain. Never criticize, condemn, or complain. Period. Never criticize, condemn, or complain. Period. That's what James is telling us right here in these two two verses. Never criticize, condemn, or complain one another. Don't catalaleo each other. Never criticize, condemn, or complain. Period. But here's the juxtaposition, right? The, The two contrasting ideas side by side. The rubber meeting the road. We want a culture of feedback. Never criticize, condemn, or complain. Nothing good comes from that. But we want, in in Danville First Baptist, we want a culture of feedback. We want a culture of feedback. You say, well, isn't that just semantics? You're You're just playing word games, right? That's all you're doing is just using a different word for the same action? Hardly. Not even close. Criticism hurts. Feedback heals. Criticism destroys. Feedback improves. Criticism suppresses. Feedback enlightens. Criticism neglects. Feedback advises. Criticism worsens. Feedback benefits. Criticism is malicious, judgmental speech for the benefit of the criticizer. I'll say that again. Criticism is malicious judgment, judgment speech, judgmental speech for the benefit of the criticizer. It makes you feel good for a moment. It makes you feel superior for a moment. It hides your own hurt for a moment. Feedback is thoughtful, helpful speech that benefits the receiver and the giver of the feedback. It's mutually beneficial and that's God's way mutual benefit feedback is thoughtful helpful speech that benefits the receiver and the giver of the feedback it's mutually beneficial so how are we able 
to have a culture of feedback and not criticism. If we never want to criticize, condemn, or complain, but we want to have a culture of feedback, which means we want it to just be the normal practice of Danville First Baptist, then how do we achieve that? How do we have that? What do we need to do? Well, I'm so glad you asked. Tom, I'm so glad you asked. Thank you for asking. Before you speak, you have to have the answers to these three questions. If you want to know whether you're criticizing or giving feedback, you must have the answers to these three questions. One, what is my desired outcome? What is my desired outcome? By saying what I'm about to say, what do I want to happen because of it? Do I want to help or do I want to hurt? Do I dislike having to do this or am I secretly enjoying it? If you're secretly enjoying it, it's probably coming from a critical standpoint. If you don't really want to do it, but you know you need to and you have to, it's probably feedback. Am I motivated to cause a beneficial outcome or am I trying to make myself feel better by hurting someone else? Is my desire dominance or improvement? What is my desired outcome? We need to have the answer to that question. Second, what is my demeanor? My body language, my posture, my tone. Is it attacking or is it assisting? Is it condescending or is it serving? This is something I had to work on a lot. As a teacher, as a coach, early on I gained a reputation for being intimidating or being in a bad mood. And I didn't understand that. And then I realized that it wasn't so much what I was saying, it was how I was saying it. And that I had to be mindful of how I was saying things, not just what I was saying. And that's difficult to do. It's hard to do. In a position of authority like a coach, sometimes you have to be in a position of dominance, for lack of a better word. But I didn't want students to be scared to come speak to me. I don't want them to be intimidated and not be able, me not be able to assist them, help them. So I had, to, I had to work on that. I'm still working on that. It's difficult. So ask yourself, what is your demeanor? What's your desired outcome, but what's your demeanor? How are you saying it? What's your posture, your tone, your body language? Are you attacking or assisting? Or are you speaking down to, condescending? Or is it a, a serve? It's a mutual beneficial type posture, type demeanor. And the last question is, how will I say it? How will I say it? I need to know, why am I saying it? What's my desired outcome? How is my body saying it? And then literally, how am I actually going to say it? What words will I use? What questions will I ask? One of the best things you can do in feedback is to ask the right questions. What questions will I ask? Why am I going to say these words? Why am I going to ask these questions? Why am I going to say these words? Why am I going to ask these questions? And I say again, why am I going to say these words? And why am I going to ask these questions? Ask yourself why. Get to the heart of it. Because that's the main difference between criticism and feedback is the heart from which it's coming from inside of us. The heart from which it's coming from. So have the answer to these questions. What is my desired outcome? What is my demeanor? 
my posture? And how will I say it? What words will I use? That's a hard one too. Trust me. I say it wrong often. Just ask my wife. (laughs) What's in here and what comes out of here isn't always the same thing. Sometimes you have to correct yourself or be corrected. Sometimes you have to get feedback on your feedback. (laughs) But have the answers to these questions. Because bottom line, it's never okay to rationalize judgment. Rationalization, justification, and comparison are the enemy of surrender. Rationalization, justification, and comparison are the enemy of surrender. It will keep you from being the warrior for God that God wants you to be. You will rationalize it. You will make it make sense in your head. You will justify it. You will have a reason for why you shouldn't surrender that certain thing, that certain area, or those certain words, or you don't understand. They hurt me. I'm going to hurt them. You can justify it. Or comparison. They've got it all. It always goes their way. I'm sick and tired of it. Nothing ever goes my way. Life's not fair. It's time they get theirs. It is time that someone stand up to them. Comparison. Rationalization, justification, and comparison are the enemy of surrender to God. Surrendering to God. And if you don't surrender to God, then God is actively lining up in battle formation against you. That's what James says in the previous scriptures. That's what this whole series is about, that we have to be humble, surrendered, submitted to God in order to be fighting with God and for God. If that is not our heart, if that is not our desire, if that is not where we're standing from, then God is not with us. He is not with us. He is actively against us because he, is, he opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. An unsurrendered heart is actively opposed by God. A humble, submitted heart is a sincere heart. And we know we want to be sincere here at Danville First Baptist. An humble, submitted submitted heart is a heart that desires to serve. And we know we want to be about service here at Danville First Baptist. An humble, submitted heart is a heart that desires to sacrifice for the better of others and for the glory of God. And we know we want to be about sacrifice here at Danville First Baptist Church. So again, have you dealt with it? That thing, that thing that causes you to have that pit in the deep part of your stomach that makes that anger well up, that you do a pretty good job of controlling most of the time, but when that critical tongue is ready to lash out, that thing, what is that thing? Pray about it. Get honest with God about it. Get honest with others about it. You have to do something about it. No one can do something about it for you. Because we never want to criticize, condemn, or complain. But we do want to have a culture of open, honest, loving feedback. Because without feedback, you can't improve. I'm going to give you one more tip. I learned this one this week, actually, personally. When you're receiving feedback, the first thing you need to do is shut up and listen. I know it's not a very nice word for some of you, but it's the truth. The thing you need to do when receiving feedback, and probably the hardest thing to do when you're receiving feedback, is to just be quiet and listen. Listen for the truth that's in there, whether it's being delivered well, lovingly, or not. Listen to the truth that's in there. 
what is trying to be said to you and why and what can we do to make it better a humble submitted heart is a is a sincere heart that desires service and will sacrifice for the betterment of everyone around them especially one another the church each other fellow christians a humble submitted heart is a warrior for god i pray that's us i'm gonna pray for us we'll be dismissed as always Anytime we have a chance to speak God's word, we want you to know that Jesus Christ is Savior, Jesus Christ is Lord. The only reason that we would live this way, give feedback instead of criticism, is because it's God's way. And we want to live God's way. We want to submit and surrender our lives to God because He paid the ultimate price for us. He's worth that, that submission. He's worth surrendering to. We want you to know that placing your faith in Jesus Christ is the best decision you could ever make. It's the first decision you need to make. And we would like for you to get plugged in here so you can learn how to grow into sincere faith with other sincere believers that are just trying as hard as you can to know God more. That's what we want you to know this morning. We love you. Decisions uh, about reopening, the phases of reopening, will be coming this week. So be looking for that. Camp Siloam's decisions about what they will be doing this summer is coming this week, so we'll be looking for that. A lot of info coming out this week, so be ready for those things as they come. Uh, We're here if you need us. Uh, Reach out, and we'll be happy um, to do whatever we can for you. And uh, hopefully we will be back together soon. But until then, let us be found faithful. I'm going to pray for us, and we'll be dismissed. God, thank you for today. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you that you are worth submitting to, God. Thank you that by submitting to you and allowing your strength to live in us, that we become warriors for you, that we gain strength for you because you live through us, God. And nothing we could ever do and no way that we could ever be stronger and more of a warrior by ourselves than we could be with you living through us, God. We pray that we would just have a desire to seek you, to find you, to follow you, and to obey you, God. Plant that desire deep in our hearts and let your fruit spring out into our lives, God. And I pray that we would continue to improve our culture of feedback, God, that we would never criticize, condemn, or complain, but that we would desire to give feedback to each other in a way that is mutually beneficial for each person and for the church as a whole, God. We love you. We thank you for today. We thank you for your blessings. We pray that we would take those blessings and spread them to others so that they would come to know you in a new way, God. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a good day.